Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Jesse Stevens here, jumping in briefly with something I thought you might like. If you're expecting, or a new mum, or wrangling a toddler, we've compiled all the best resources for new mums in a free newsletter. Sign up for free via the link in the show notes. It was important not to focus on that, on the body comeback, other than what the body has done. Wow, isn't this body amazing? It's all filled up with this one little person and then you have to really make a concerted effort to make sure that there's some room for your partner as well. I couldn't quite fathom, well, you should be lucky because at least you've got a baby, to the other pendulum of, this really sucks, what the hell happened? It's no secret that having babies and becoming parents changes every single facet of your life. But one of the first ways that motherhood shows its markings is on our bodies. In this episode, we're exploring how motherhood changes not just our physical bodies, but also our relationship with our bodies after having a baby. In each episode of Me After You, we're diving into different topics around motherhood. And I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing 18 different mothers for this podcast. Over the duration of the show, we'll uncover a little bit more about their stories. So if you ever leave an episode wanting to hear more from a certain guest, I promise there is more to come in the very next episode. On today's show, you'll be hearing from comedian and radio queen Veronica Milson, who found it a little bit confronting when her boobs transitioned from flirtatious assets to others. Actress Teresa Palmer, who says pregnancy helped to heal her disordered relationship with food. And Brittany Noonan, who's on a mission to normalise a postpartum body. Plus, you're also going to hear from a variety of other women whose pregnancy has completely shifted the way they feel about their bodies. Bodies are weird and they certainly do some wild stuff when they're creating tiny humans. If only we could bask in the joy and the magic of how badass us women are for creating life. But no, instead we've got to worry about the post-baby body bounce back, the stretch marks, the cellulite on your butt, your dark nipples, and dear God, don't get me started with what's going on downstairs. The body of a mum can often feel equal parts battleground and safe haven. Some days I feel so proud and amazed by my mum bod, the fact that it grew and it honed my daughter. But I'd be lying if I didn't admit that there are also days where I feel really insecure, where I look in the mirror and I don't fully recognise this softer and saggier self. I'm Laura Byrne and this is Me After You, exploring stories of identity and motherhood. As comedian, radio queen and mum, Veronica Milson experienced, when boobs transition from flirtatious assets to udders, well, it can be kind of confronting. 
Well, your relationship with your body changes so much, doesn't it? Just like your relationship with your boobs, even. They become this, like, they go from being a desirable thing (laughs) to something that's very practical. And also, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It, Like, I remember the first time Lila tried to, like, play with my nipple when she was breastfeeding and I was like... (laughs) I was like, oh, man, this is so yuck. And then how does it go to a point where it's okay, like, once you go to the bedroom or the bathroom or the laundry or wherever? Um, that <laughs> Sure. You, that you um, that when your partner touches your boobs, it's not this thing that's, like, related or similar? I don't know. But I also think it's so hard to explain to them. Like, one of the things that I have struggled with in in my relationship is that I have a baby on me all day. Like they suck everything out of me and all my attention. I constantly feel like I have something touching me or wanting something from me. And so as soon as Matt does it, I'm like, ugh, don't touch me. Yeah. Get away. Well, and especially you feel like you've got a, a love cup and then you it's all filled up with this one little person and then you have to really make a concerted effort to make sure that there's some room for your partner as well. It's so tricky. That's actually much harder than I thought. Plus, like, the amount of time that you have to have sex, which is just really... There's not much of it. And then if you have a babysitter or something or you're away for the weekend, you're like, oh, well, now we have to. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But it takes everything. Everything is planned and methodical. You're like, well, baby goes down at 7 p.m., but we have to do it before 9 p.m. because I'll be really tired by then. Yeah. So make sure we get dinner out of the way, but we'll do it before dinner because then I'll be full. (laughs) (laughs) It's awful. And you actually can't discuss any of that stuff because that just really takes the fun out of any of it. So it's all going on in your head and probably they're thinking the same thing. For some women, the hyper-focus on how their body looks is something that is with them every single day, regardless of whether or not they're pregnant. Before having her babies, actress Teresa Palmer really struggled with her body image, and it was pregnancy that made her look at her body with a real appreciation for what it was going through. Motherhood broke a pattern for her and helped her appreciate what her body was capable of. So I had orthorexia, which is um, not many people have heard of it, but it is an eating disorder. Look, I've just diagnosed myself with it. Now that I go back having the hindsight, I realised that from 2009 to 2012, I was in this very unhealthy relationship with food. I was incredibly clean with my eating. So I didn't have anorexia or bulimia, but I had something different, which is when you become so obsessed with the amount of calories you're putting into your body, everything had to be of the highest quality. Um, I wouldn't eat anything stripped of its nutritional value. And it was exhausting, utterly exhausting to like log every calorie and to just be so overly conscious of the food I was putting into my body. And actually, I always say to Mark, having children healed me because I met him at the very tail end of that. And I got pregnant about four or five months after I was, I had kind of started regaining a more healthy relationship with food. And then my body just blossomed and I had this big belly and I could feel life within me. And It was just incredible seeing what my body could do and I was getting stretch marks on my boobs and cellulite all over my bum and the backs of my thighs and and I remember seeing these paparazzi photos of me in um, like little gym shorts and I was like, oh oh my gosh, look at that cellulite. But I didn't care. I was finally liberated from this 
these judgments that I had surrounding my body, which I realized have existed since I was a a child, uh, not child, since I was a teenager, I would always compare my body to my friends' bodies, and oh, I never had quite as flat a stomach as so and so, and and then it actually all came to a head after a female agent told me in 2008 after she saw a paparazzi photo of me in bikinis she said you know what you should start working out because that's a part of your job you you need to make sure that you look really good and I was like oh I thought I did look good oh wow like the scary thing is is I was I've always been such a small person and I look back on the photos that she's talking about and I was just so little still and I yes I wasn't perfectly sculpted but that really set off this huge whirlwind of unhealthy obsession surrounding food but yeah since being a mum I've really um I've embraced it all the lumps and the bumps and the stretch marks and you know they they are all it's a map of of my journey of bringing my babies into the world i think it's a really beautiful thing that i personally wasn't prepared for is how less not that you care less about yourself you still care about yourself so much but you become less about yourself you come the small things mm-hmm. that i used to have time to stress about or like you know look in the mirror and and they were like the things that I all I would see I don't have time to do that anymore and so I care less and less yeah. about those small things that used to just be such so they seem so significant and now like oh well I haven't looked at my butt in weeks I don't even care what it looks like anymore. yeah I mean I my bum has never been this shapeless ever in my life but actually I just don't care Marcia Leone is an author and she's also the woman behind Not So Mumsy Instagram, which is an online community helping other mums regain a sense of self post-birth. When I spoke to her about her concept of the post-baby body bounce back, she had very strong opinions about how unhelpful and how damaging this can be. I just feel like that the focus shouldn't be on that at all. I mean, the focus in those first few months should just be on my body had a baby. How amazing is this body? Some of us are going to bounce back quicker than others. Some of us are going to struggle. Some of us are going to work hard at it. Some of us, it's just going to come naturally. Some of us will never get our body back. You know, we're changed forever. There are so many different factors, but I just think that we need to celebrate the fact of what our body has just done, no matter what we look like from the outside. I personally never did a six-week postpartum picture, this is my body now, that type of thing, because I think that it puts unnecessary pressure on mums and I take that responsibility being in the social space. You know, I I looked at things where I think, oh, well, uh, that makes me feel bad. If that makes me feel bad, I wouldn't want anybody else to feel bad that, you know, six-week postpartum, they, you know, don't look how they want to look or how they expect it to look. And I just feel like that for me, it it was important not to focus on that, on the body comeback, other than what the body has done. Wow, isn't this body amazing? It's birthed the baby. Oh, yeah. It's funny how it works in both ways as well sometimes because I think like when you are someone who has just been genetically fortunate that mm. you do naturally just get back into shape relatively, Not um, that doesn't come quickly to anyone. And, and when you look closely, there's always the marks of pregnancy. Of course. It's not yeah. like that just goes away. But yeah. for some people, you know, there's you kind of bounce back quicker if that's even a thing that you can say. But then there's still, even on those people, it's like you're congratulated. Oh, you, you got back into shape quickly mm. or like you can fit into your jeans. I think no matter whether it's 
a positive or a negative, you can't escape the no. physical criticism that comes with no. you've had a baby and this is where you totally. should be. Exactly. And there's always a barometer. I of, agree. Yeah, I, I was uh, body shamed by, by people because apparently I did bounce back too quickly, even though I never focused and said, hey, this is my body. I share pictures of myself. That's just, you know, how I look. I didn't do any like bikini pictures or anything, but, you know, and, the, and, and so I, I have been shamed on the other like there's just so many sides to this isn't there and I just feel like just commenting on a woman's body no matter what should not be done you know oh absolutely and and I guess like um with like you're not wanting to share any photos or not 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 share Mm. but it's just you're sharing where you're at in life it's Mm. and yes because you're on social media you're open to criticism Mm. and people are going to give their two cents yeah but I think when you're pregnant people are so quick to say oh, it's a boy, you're, you're hanging low, mm-hmm. oh, you're big, you're little, you're this, you're that. And then straight afterwards, your body's open to so much commentary for quite a period of time afterwards. And you, people don't really discuss the fact that people are – it's meant as a compliment, like, oh, you got back into shape quickly. Yeah. But it's also a criticism. It is. You, I don't think you can win. I don't think you can say anything. <laughs> no, just, just shut up. <laughs> just shut up with it. But you can't. And some people, for them, you know, working out and getting that back is like really important to them. And that's okay too. So we shouldn't shame people that want to get back into exercise when they're cleared, you know, but because that, that, that is part of their identity of who they are. It's good for your mental health. You know, so I feel like sometimes in social media it's kind of gone the other way that if you are, you know, into exercise and eating healthy and things like that, then you're not a real mum, you know. For most women, carrying a baby for nine months takes a significant toll on our bodies. From varicose veins to swollen ankles, few women escape pregnancy without their bodies being changed in significant ways. However, for some people, water retention sounds like a walk in the park. Grace Bell, mum to twins, suffered from hyperemesis gravidarum throughout her pregnancy and found that her body's visceral reaction to her being pregnant made it really challenging for her to connect and enjoy her pregnancy. All right, you have twins. How did you feel when you found out that you were having twins? (laughs) I cried. My partner was there and he was so happy and I was so, not sad, but, uh, yeah, just a punch in the stomach. Like, it was bizarre. Just totally overwhelmed by the yes. fact that it was going to be double time. I just knew straight up it was going to be a lot of work. <laughs> and then you went on to have HG during your pregnancy. Can yeah. you explain to us what HG is? Hyperemis, I'm going to butcher this, but gravidarum or gravidarum. It's like excessive vomiting and dehydration caused by hormone um, in your pregnancies. And, yeah, it's horrendous and I didn't stop vomiting for six months, basically. It's like morning sickness on steroids. Yeah, I don't even like to say it's like morning sickness, though, because it's not. It's like crippling. Yeah, right. Did that make it difficult for you to then be able to bond with the fact that you were pregnant? You know how you see everyone who's pregnant and they're like, oh, I'm glowing or I'm loving this period of my life. I can't imagine it's possible to really love that period of your life when you spend half of it with your face in the toilet bowl. Yeah, it's kind of traumatising and still coming to terms with it a bit. It was really hard and I did have a lot of friends pregnant at the same time who were glowing and enjoying it, whereas I couldn't even look at a phone because it would make me nauseous. Oh, that's awful. (laughs) So awful. And then you went on to have your babies at 27 weeks. Talk to me about what happened there. Oh, I was in hospital for hyperemesis. I was going in to get a drip a couple of times a week and they put on Danzatron through to stop the vomiting. And then after I had come out of the Undanzatron, 
I kind of felt like I was having period pains. I was like, oh, I wonder what's happening here. So I was in there for another reason. And then I got checked and she's like, yeah, you're two centimeters dilated. You need to come to the delivery suite. So I spent the next couple of days just extremely confused. And then the girls came out two days later. How do you cope when like your idea of what your pregnancy and your birth plan is going to be completely doesn't match up to the expectations and what happens in real life? Like, how do you cope with that? I don't. <laughs> I think that experience, it took me a while to understand it, I think. Like at the time, all you're thinking, well, firstly, you're in shock. Like I genuinely didn't know the babies were coming the day they were coming. I didn't understand what was happening. And then, you know, you spend the next few months in the NICU just wanting them to survive. You don't think about yourself. But then when I went back to work, I was like, fire out. That was awful. And it probably took me like two two years to digest it. Do you feel like you fully come to terms with that period of your life now? Um. It's still traumatising, but yeah, I've come to terms with it for sure. Grace wasn't the only mum I spoke to who suffered from HG. Brittany Noonan is a mother of two and she shares a lot about her life and her kids online. She spoke very openly with me about what it was like for her to go through the condition. That was hell on earth. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine. <laughs> Honestly, it's the hardest thing I've ever been through. Um, the first time, especially because it was such a shock, I just thought that, you know, I'd, I'd never, ever heard of it. I always thought that morning sickness was just you woke up in the morning, had a little vomit in the toilet, and then you went off to work for the day, and that was it, you know, that then you were fine. But it literally just took everything away from, from me. My entire life was taken, my friendships, my social life, being able to work, I couldn't work, even just going out for dinner, you know, I couldn't do any of the things that I normally would because I was stuck in bed and yeah, it changed, it changed me as a person. It was, it was awful. When you say it changed you as a person, do you feel like it still changed your life now? Um, Absolutely. (laughs) I feel like, especially after my first pregnancy, I had a bit of PTSD and I had to do therapy for that because of when I had HD, I really triggered depression during my pregnancy and I really struggled with the thoughts that I had when I was pregnant and continued to have after that. I struggled to deal with those thoughts and couldn't even believe that I thought those thoughts. So it definitely changed me, um, but also made me heaps stronger. Like I feel like I'm a stronger person for going through that and it's hard to explain to people unless they've been through it because unless you've been through it, you probably just think, oh, it's just, you know, feeling sick, just feeling nauseous. But It's so much more than that. As if that wasn't enough, Brittany also struggled with an eating disorder before she became pregnant. And this added a whole other layer of complexity for her when she was pregnant, dealing with the changes in her body, but also dealing with the running commentary from people around her commenting on the size of her bump. I used to hate my body and I used to have so much self-hate towards this body that really now would be perceived as being like the perfect body, you know, like without the stretch marks, like I'm a thin person and all that kind of stuff. But now after having kids and I have all these stretch marks, I have these scars, I have all of that, I actually have so much more self-worth now. Um, I think it's because I actually appreciate my body for what it does, what it achieves rather than the way that it looks like. I now realise that my body is more than just looks. There's so much more to me than just my looks. When do you think that change happened for you? Over a number of years, like a lot of years. Um, growing up, I had an eating disorder. 
And then I had to do a lot of therapy to kind of overcome that eating disorder. That didn't really so much change the way I thought about my body as in like its appearance. It was probably when I had my first daughter, when I fell pregnant with her, I knew that I really had to change my mindset so that that didn't reflect onto her. And then when I had her, it was almost instantly as I held her in my arms, I was like, I just don't want you to ever experience what I experienced. So I need to work on myself more and more to make sure that that doesn't reflect onto you. So she's four and a half now. So yeah, over the last four and a half years, it's definitely changed a lot. And I feel so much more comfortable with who I am now and the way I look. And really the way I look doesn't really define me as a person anymore, but it used to. Like I said earlier, you've been really open with sharing your experiences of motherhood and your journey on social media. What was it that made you want to have that public communication? Probably just seeing how many people kind of put out this image of perfection on social media and how dangerous that is, especially for mums. Yes, there are definitely going to be people who have babies and their bodies just bounce back or whatever you want to call it straight away. They don't have stretch marks and they go back to looking how they did before they had a baby. But that is not the majority of people. Like That is not the majority of mothers. And if you're constantly bombarded by that, you are comparing yourself to that. And I just want to make sure that there were some people online showing what a body can look like after a baby and normalising what a postpartum body does look like. So, Brittany, how did it make you feel when people were constantly commenting on the size of your bump? Uh, This is something that I really, really struggled with, especially in my first pregnancy. In my first pregnancy, I was, both my pregnancies, I was really sick, but in my first pregnancy, I was so unbelievably sick and I lost so much weight. And as somebody who had an eating disorder past, when people would tell me or say to me, oh my gosh, you're so small, how far along are you? And I'd be like, oh, I'm 20, 25 weeks. And then they'd be like, oh my God, you're so tiny. Look how skinny you are. Oh, I like almost like congratulating me on how small I was. Part of me liked that. I know that sounds really bad. I liked it and it started like kind of triggering my eating disorder. But on the other side of it, as it went on, it started to worry me and made me almost like fear for my own child's like health because I was sick. I started thinking that maybe there was something wrong with my baby because everyone kept telling me how small I was. When you share so much of your life online, you open yourself up to criticism and comments from every single person who views your platform. But Brittany is determined not to let those nasty comments get to her. This morning, I did have a comment from a man on my post last night that was a photo of my stomach with stretch marks saying, destroyed. And I just think it doesn't affect me when somebody does something like that. But I worry that if he does that in his own life, how that affects the women around him. Because, like, I honestly believe that as parents, I feel like it's our responsibility to teach our children and normalise a postpartum body for the next generation because they need to realise, especially men, that without a postpartum body, they wouldn't even exist, you know? Like, they wouldn't be here if they weren't grown in their mother's stomach and there will be changes. And the more that we normalise a postpartum body, the more accepting and the more respectful men and women will be of those bodies. Stephanie Thompson is the author of the book, The Day My Vagina Broke. Drawing from her own experiences, she talks about the very harsh realities and the vulnerabilities that every mother faces during and after childbirth. 
The birth of her first baby had a profound and irreparable impact on her body. She endured what's known as a total pelvic organ prolapse, which was the result of having a forceps delivery that went terribly wrong. It might surprise you then to know that Stephanie went on to have another child, despite the pain that she feels every single day. And that experience was entirely not what she expected. So um, my husband and I were really, uh, we were fulfilled. Elsie was our girl. She was our world. And we were one and done. We're like, okay, we've been through this. That That's probably enough. And then one day we're sitting there, we're looking at her and I said to Tom, oh, but what about Elsie? Do you think maybe one day she might want a sibling? We all have siblings. We have big families. And then that just got us thinking. And for us, it wasn't, oh, okay, we'll just have another baby. It was a really long process of meeting with obstetricians, surgeons, midwives, doulas, counsellors. I went to everybody because I had no idea. I was like, I can't put myself through this again. I really want to have a sibling for her and always wanted a big family. So what do I do? I was asking everybody. I was really conflicted. I went through stages of saying no, yes, maybe. But because we'd had to go through that journey of five years to fall pregnant, I said, well, you know what, if it's meant to be, to be by the end of the year, that was three months. And I was, then I fell pregnant. Then it really got hard (laughs) because I was thinking, what have I done? Am I crazy? this is mad. I can't do this again. So we pretty much had to go in opposition to what we did the first time. I know I couldn't step foot in that same hospital again. I know I couldn't have gone through that same path. And I think anyone does that with trauma. If you have a traumatic cesarean, you're probably going to try and have a VBAC. If you have a traumatic vaginal birth, you're probably going to try and have a cesarean. Okay. So I think that's just natural how we, how we try and survive. So we met an obstetrician and we knew him from the public hospital and he knew uh, our backstory. He basically literally held our hand for the nine months of the pregnancy. I had him on speed dial, had his personal mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I would text him in the middle of the night. He would text me back. We went to lots of counselling sessions. I'd met with a surgeon who said, Steph, you absolutely can have another vaginal birth because all the damage is done, my friend. It would probably be easier, if anything. I was convinced I had to have a Caesar, but it was the male obstetrician that really helped me understand what a Caesar was. I didn't even know. I knew it kind of cut your tummy and the baby comes out. But he walked me through step by step, talked all the risks, positives and negatives for us to make a real informed decision. So I said, okay, I will try. But he said at any point, if mentally the trauma is too much, we would talk. Let's keep talking. So the dialogue was open all the time. And it was a lot of choice. I was able to make a lot of decisions the second time. I chose to be induced on a particular day so that I didn't have the fear of going into labour at home and something going wrong. I felt like there was a little bit more autonomy. I don't want to use control because I don't think we, anyone can really control childbirth, but there was autonomy. We got to go to the hospital. We got to see him there. He got to induce and go through the process and the second vaginal birth was amazing it was that experience I think we thought we were going to get the first time yeah there was pain there was contractions there was gas it was labor it wasn't easy but it certainly wasn't like the first 
I guess it's one of those things as well where it's like if you are prepared for the whole spectrum and you have some idea of what can happen and you've already had such a terrible and negative experience around childbirth, it's like you can only go up from here, right? Yeah. And having hope. S- yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you did. But having someone to be able to follow you through that journey as well and give you all your options makes you feel a little bit more empowered in that yes. position as well and not quite so fearful of the situation that you're in. Correct. We had to work through those fears in that nine months. We had to have lots of discussions and and therapy around, okay, what does this look like? What does it mean? And I wish we had that in the beginning. I was scared the first time, but was always dismissed as being, you know, a perfectionist or you worry too much, Stephanie. I just want women to know that there should be birth choices across the whole gamut, not one way better versus another. Because definitely I felt that cesarean at the time was you know, the naughty corner, you failed childbirth and that sucks. Yeah. And I think that people don't even realize that cesarean is an option, that you can just choose that if that's what you want for your birth plan. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a physical, because of physical complications, like you can choose that from a private, going through private hospital, or you can just choose it because mentally that's what you want for your birth plan. I didn't even know that that was an option until about six months after I had a baby. (laughs) Only in a private hospital though. Yeah. You can't elect for that in a public hospital. And that's disappointing in the sense that that makes the public versus private, cesarean versus natural birth. You've got this, you know, this fight that women are kind of in the middle going, what do I do? And I want to be that advocate for those poor mums that are stuck in the middle going, how do I choose? Do I even have a choice? From pregnancy to childbirth, breastfeeding, and then just lugging around small, tiny humans. Literally from the moment we begin our journeys into motherhood, our bodies take an absolute beating. It's so incredible what we're capable of, how they shift, how they grow, and how they deflate, all in order to bring a tiny human life into this world. And with that tiny life often comes a whole new appreciation for how amazing our bodies are and a whole newfound respect for what our badass mum bods are capable of. On next week's episode, we're going to be talking about love, romance, relationships and partnerships. And what does having a baby do to all of that? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Me After You. This is a Mamma Mia podcast hosted by me, Laura Byrne. Our executive producer is Elise Cooper with additional production and editing support by Lemma Zakaria. We'd love to say a very big thank you to every single woman who has shared their stories with us. And for a full list of all of the credits, please head to the description on this episode.